if today's the day I could do this, today's the day I could do this. So, so I spent a lot of time, money, and effort childproofing my house, but they still seem to get in. What gives? I, I really did have a happy childhood. My dad used to put me in tires and roll me down hills. Those were good years. I, it gets better. So the son says to his dad, for 20 bucks, I'll be good. The dad says, oh, yeah, when I was your age, I was good for nothing. <laughs> See, <laughs> thank you. If the sermon goes bad, I'm just going to go back to these. How do you know when a dad joke becomes a dad joke? When it becomes a parent. Okay, last one, I promise, I promise, I promise. I did, I did prepare a sermon for this morning. Said, While having their evening dinner together, the little girl looked up at her father and asked, Daddy, you're the boss in our family, right? And the father was very pleased to hear it, and he confidently replied, Yes, my little princess. And then the d- little girl continued, That's because mommy puts you in charge, right? <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. Yes. Oh, you're going to, we could do this all day. Oh, one. Okay. You can't share my mouth mic. You could have this one, though. Thank you. There you go. Yeah. (laughs) Hello. Hello. Okay. So the son at college sends his dad a letter and says, Dear Dad, so sad. No fun, no fun, your son. And the dad writes back, Dear son, so sad, too bad, you're dad. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Billy. No, I'm not giving the mic to anybody else. That's it. That's it. That was a, that, that was a, a good dad joke. It, it be, some would say that what's the difference between a bad joke and a dad joke? And they say it's just one letter, right? Yeah. So... I have a, a, a message this morning, and it's, you know, Father's Day is so encouraging. It's, it's exciting for me to speak on Father's Day. I love it so much because there's so many different things we could talk about. Our loving Heavenly Father, uh, the responsibility and the blessing of being a father that is really above and beyond even sometimes my brain pops at like what that even means because I don't think I still fully get it, and I'm a, I'm a dad and a, and a and a papa, and it still blows my mind how beautiful and awesome and absolutely amazing this thing that God put into place. But I will say that there's nothing better, and this is the title of this, Nothing's Better Than Being His Child. And I, I'd like to ask you this question and say, how many of you know that on your very best day, your very best day as a person, of being a person, of being good as a good person, it's still the grace of God doing it all through you on your very best day. Amen? And so there's just something I wanted to, there's a couple of passages of scripture, some are lengthy, so, uh, so follow along because that's really what we're going to get about today is how absolutely amazing and wonderful God is. And God is good and He is amazing. And His, His goodness and... I, 
I feel like there's something that he's opening up in our, in our realm, in our midst, even as a church, as a body of Christ, even together today, is this wonderful aspect of really understanding and knowing what it really means to be born again. I mean, I, I, the term is, I think, it's a little bit uh, watered down, if you will, or uh, misconstrued even at some times, and a lot of times just misunderstood, or maybe not fully grasped. Um, but I really believe that the Lord is doing this, and He's doing this in our time, and right now, and even today, and, and I think it's, it's the, the amazingness of grace, of being born again. When Jesus said, or it's said of Jesus, that He is the firstborn of many, and of that of him rising from the dead being the firstborn of many I'm thinking how does that even my my brain is like I I don't get it I don't understand it I don't what do you mean the firstborn but he's the firstborn of the resurrected the firstborn of those who are alive and completely alive in spirit and in body and in soul and he's given us that this now this gift this amazing gift of grace to be born again of spirit, of body, of soul, of mind, of heart, of our entire being. You know, the phrase being made new is, I, I, we, we use words that I think that we are trying to understand it and I believe that the, you know, the Bible writes them, but for us to really get it is only a revelation of His Spirit, by His Spirit, by the grace of God that we actually get what it really means to be born again. I still look back to days when that just first happened in me and I'm how just so, whoo, I was so excited, so fired up. I could sing, I could shout, I could tell anybody and how awesome it was to be born again. I remember singing a song, I think you guys go way back and some of you might remember, I look at Mike because he would remember. No, you and I grew up together in the same era, so that's why. Yeah, and we're a little gray to prove it. But Leon Patillo sung a song just called Born Again. And I remember working every day just singing that song, just born again. I've been born again. I'm like, I don't know why. I, was, I must have sounded like a Jesus freak or something. And I thought, like, wow, that was so exciting to me. And I, I want that excitement still con to continue not only in my life, but in our lives is really what it means to be born again. And I, I, and I was just fresh. I was a baby. I was a baby born again. And now I'm st I still feel like I'm just barely a toddler. And I'm learning and growing. And I've been walking with the Lord a lot of years. And, man, we have all eternity to discover this. Gosh, it's... This is good stuff. Okay, I'm going to, I'm going to, this is, I got to get to this and through this because this is really good. And um, it's Father's Day and I know we got plans uh, for the rest of the day. Amen. Matthew chapter 7, starting in verse 9 through 11. And this is in the, the TPT, which is the, the Passion Translation. And, just, and you'll see why I'm, I'm reading it out of the Passion Translation. Just something I really like. I've enjoyed just looking into um, sometimes I'll even bring it up in our Sunday morning. Um, but talking about three aspects of God's loving care, His character, 
And this first one is his loving provisional care. So I want us to look at this. It says in Matthew chapter 7, verse, starting in verse 9 through 11, Jesus saying, Do you know of any parent who would give his hungry, who, who would give his hungry child who asked for food a plate of rocks instead? Or when asked for a, plate of, a piece of fish, what parent would offer his child a snake instead? If you, being imperfect as you are, know how to lovingly take care of your children and give them what's best, how much more ready is your heavenly Father to give you wonderful gifts to those who ask Him? Isn't this awesome to just think of this? as Only Jesus can teach like this. Jesus, not only He draws attention so many times to the similarity between human fathers and our divine Father, but yet in the same breath, like in the same sentence, it's like only Jesus can do this, is he, he also is making this clear distinction, drawing attention to this huge difference between human fatherhood and divine fatherhood. Because, you know, if you were to, if you were to measure, let's just, let's just play a little quick game to engage every single one of you in this room because every single person in this room, whether you know him or not, has a human father. You're here partly because of him. The other part because of your human mother. Amen? Just went into a little biology. It's not that difficult. It's simple. But every single one of us, though, we would have not you done this, maybe in your mind or... Um, maybe some of you even struggled with this, have maybe made a comparison to your human father to someone else's human father. As a kid, maybe. Maybe even sometimes as an adult, said, boy, if my dad were like his dad, I would be a lot different. Maybe I would have had better opportunities. And maybe, maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's the total opposite. Boy, I'm glad that my dad's not like his dad. Boy, that would really be a cruddy deal. Right? I mean, I think everybody in the room might have, I think, has played that game. Hello? Am I, maybe the only, I don't think I'm the only one. I think most of us might have played that game. I mean, and maybe some of you at an early age, like, made this awesome, came to this awesome revelation that... It is what it is, and God, and to be perfectly content and say, wow, I'm so grateful and thankful that I, God gave me the dad that I have. And that's good. I'm, I'm happy for you. But I think most of us have made this little comparison. But here's what I want us to even start off to understand. Even from the best dad to the worst dad, if you will, if you could measure on a, on a measuring stick on a line... The difference would be a millimeter. I mean, so minute, so minute compared to any human father and our heavenly father. I mean, if it were on a line, like say this line here that I'm, it would be this tiny little minute little speck. And God's characteristic, God's fatherhood would Go all the way past Sheridan to Wheatland, all the way up to Yuba City, all the way up to Oregon border, all the way up to Alaska, all the way up to the North Pole. And it still would be infinite. You still wouldn't be able to measure it and touch it. 
That's how awesome and amazing God is. Do you understand that? And that's what I think that Jesus is pointing out here. You being, and he's saying this in, a, in such a clear way, you being good but yet evil? I mean, he really did say that. Uh, uh, okay, you being good but bad? He really did say that. Do you guys read it like that? Anybody else read it like that? Like you knew how to give good gifts, but yet you're really evil at heart. Or, you know, the, the tra- uh, uh, TPT, Passion Translation, says imperfect. Imperfect. Uh, that's a nice way to say, as the Bible actually says, evil. Evil in heart. So there's this amazing difference, but yet it's so cool to see it because God puts it into play. And he puts this into play today. Because So here's, I want to look at another aspect, another area that the Bible highlights in, these, in this comparison. You know, we, we read the book of Hebrews. Hebrews would be, uh, um, if you're going to say one phrase about the book of Hebrews, it's simply this, Jesus is better. Jesus is better, Right? Jesus is better than the angels. Jesus is better than all, all, anything that we come up with. The, the, the priest, he's, he is the ultimate high priest. Everything in the, in the book of Hebrews is pointing to this very real reality that Jesus is better than anything we can come up with, any religious form that we can drum up, anything, it, even, even a spiritual form such as angelic worship, Jesus is better. So in Hebrews 12, you get to this, the same theme is still happening. And it's this one. And this is a few verses. It's Hebrews 12, chapter, uh, chapter 12, starting in verse 5. And it's the loving discipline. And listen to this. This is really good. Because I think it's important for us to hear this. And if you haven't heard this from the Bible, I want us to hear this. This also is in the Passion Translation. If you'd like to, of course, read it in, in a translation of your liking, that's great. Um, says this, And have you forgotten his encouraging words spoken to you as his children? That's it's a good... That's, even that start is like, Hey, let us not forget. Have you forgotten? He said, My child. Oh man, we need to hear that. Can we hear that this morning? Yeah. My child. My child. Don't underestimate the value of the discipline and training of the Lord God. Or get depressed or discouraged when He has to correct you. For the Lord's training of your life is the evidence of His faithful love. And when He draws you to Himself, it proves you are His delightful child. Fully embrace God's correction as part of your training. For he is doing what any loving father does for his children. For who has ever heard of a child who never had to be corrected? That's a stop and pause. If I've ever heard one, that's like, oh. I think we started thinking like, yeah, I think I know a couple. But he's pointing out something that's very, very rich. We should all welcome God's discipline as the validation of authentic sonship. For if we have never once endured His correction, it only proves that we are strangers and not true sons. And it isn't... Well, okay, sorry. 
And isn't it true that we respect our earthly fathers even though they corrected and disciplined us? Then we should demonstrate an even greater respect for God, our spiritual father, as we submit to his life-giving discipline. Our parents, they corrected us throughout our lives for our own good, giving us an invitation to share his holiness. Hallelujah. Do you see what he's saying there? That there is a purpose behind it. And his purpose is greater than and bigger than anything that we might see. Because in the midst, well, he goes on to say, I've got to finish, okay. I was getting way ahead of myself. Now all discipline, that's what I was going to say, and it's like, wait, it says that actually. Now all discipline seems to be painful at the time, yet later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness and peace to those who yield to it. Wow, do you see how there's, there's a part that we play in God's loving correction and His loving hand of discipline. And it's to yield to it. Yield to it. I could ask a question and there's teenagers in the room and that's okay, but have you ever had to discipline a child and they buck up against it? Yeah. Yeah. I... I, I I was, I, was, I was asking you to, refer, to think of your child, not you yourself, Katie. I know. We, we all know the obvious. Hey, hey I got, I've got... <laughs> trying to count how many two red-headed granddaughters. Whoa. Amen. That was pretty stereotypical of me to do, and I apologize. I recant that statement. What's that? I think so. I think my mom said I was a redhead when I was a kid. And then I got, got good, and my hair turned blonde, and then it all left, so I don't know what I am now. Who knows? The point is this, I think there's a point, is that we have a choice in the midst of God's loving discipline, and that choice is to yield to it, because when we buck up against it and fight against it, or, or kick against the goads, so to speak, or dig our heels in, or, or or even run away or hide from it, which we can do. We could do all those things. We could leave the room. We could say, to heck with that God stuff. Um, I don't like it. I don't want anything to do with it. I just want to live my life and live my life to myself. That, all, those, all those aspects I think I talked about last week about the, the place where we, where we hold on to God and don't let go in the midst of a wrestling match. And because in that holding on to Him... Is, that, is the hard place because the letting go is the easy place. And to the bucking up and, and resisting the Lord's discipline is an easy thing to do. You can remove yourself from it. You could walk away from it. But to allow the Lord to do it, and I'm going to say this as a testimony of 
of walking through this many times of being disciplined by the Lord. Many times. So many times I really don't even know how many to count, but I know and I can recount and I can recall the emotion, the, 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 the connection that I have with God in the midst of discipline and this place of like knowing that He's loving me enough to not leave me the way I shouldn't be. And that is so refreshing and loving. And it's painful and it's hurtful and it's difficult, but it's so good. It's so, so good. The goodness of that is beyond even, you know, and, and you guys have all heard a lot of my stories about my, my dad or stepdad. Or, and they weren't very good at all. There's only like one moment in my life that I can remember him lovingly disciplining me. And I remember just almost coming to tears because it was so good. I just, I, I needed it. I wanted it. I longed for it. And, and when he did it, it was like I just, I, I completely, humbly yielded to it because it's something that I wanted so bad. I wanted to be loved by a dad enough to care enough about me to correct me. And that was so cool. It was one of the last things I remember about my stepdad. And it's the last thing I'm going to choose to remember about him. But this is what the loving hand of God looks like. It's, it's absolutely love. And it's so much greater, so much bigger, so much better than our earthly fathers are doing and can do. Even us as a good, bad earthly father can do to our children. God's loving care is so great, so so, so good. I'm going to read the last of this passage of Scripture because it's, it's, it's just good. Because uh, he says, he says, you know, this, this um, all discipline seems painful at the time. Later it will produce a transformation of character, bringing a harvest of righteousness, of peace to those who yield to it. So be made strong even in your weakness by lifting up your tired hands in prayer and worship. And strengthen your weak knees for as you keep walking forward on God's path, all your stumbling ways will be divinely healed. That's good. That's a good word, huh? Amen. I agree. Yeah, that was, I like that one. Amen. And we know from Scripture that I get to this, uh, this final aspect, I think. We know from Scripture and life experience proves it to be true that the sins of the Father are passed down to the children. What if we were to take the, that truth, which is true, and apply it to our Heavenly Father, but flipping the script right now? Our Heavenly Father has no sins has no imperfections, has no hang-ups, has no hold-ups, has nothing in him, nothing about him that he's got an agenda to other than love you. What if we were to take that and flip it and say those fatherly attributes are passed down to his children, his children's children, his children's 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 children, as God intended so flipping that script of truth, 
that his character is being passed down to us. His attributes are being infused into us. His goodness flowing through us. Just as he is full of grace and truth, grace and truth become our format, our, our, uh, our, 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 our makeup, our go-to, our default, grace and truth, grace and truth. Living as the Bible tells us that there's, it, it, the, you know, Jesus said it that this way, or actually in 1 Corinthians, it tells us, 1 Corinthians 3.11, that there is no other foundation that can be laid. No other foundation that you or I or anybody else can lay because there's only one foundation that's truly been laid and that is Jesus. Amen? Amen. So what do we do? Build our life on Him. Build our life on Him. I could share this. I don't know. Where's Hunter and Carson? They're in the room and that's good. I'm glad. Yeah, they're right there. Yeah. Yeah, they're here. We got a visit last weekend, and you guys know from their dad and Trevor. And one of the things that they noted, and they asked me about it, and we talked about it, and it was, they noticed, it's like, man, they might not have said it exactly like this. It's like, there was always just this angry, like, conflict going on between my dad and my brother and just life and it's like they said man they just were seemed like they were always fighting with each other and things just were just like it just was it was difficult and so we had a really good conversation and pointed out this very real reality in their lives because they've been with us for almost five years now and said you're building you're building you're basically you're building your life on the foundation of Jesus and that, that foundation is, is, is you know, the, the makeup of it and the, the actual, the integral parts of it are full of grace and truth, forgiveness and mercy, kindness and goodness. Said, so when you build your life outside or on something else that is not that foundation, it's, it's based on bitterness and jealousy and, 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 and discord and unforgiveness and and, and, and all the things that we blame and, and shame and all the things that say, don't you, do you see, it's really apparent and it's very clear that you see when you build your life on anything other than Jesus, you're building a life on something that may seem like it's the good way to be because, you know, you're the man and you're, you're telling everybody how it is and, 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 and you're making people accountable to how they treat you and, and all these things that seem to be macho but they're so sandy and they're so, they, 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 have no, they have no substance. They, in fact, they actually pull you down into, it, it, it's really a, a pit of despair, if you want to call it that, or, or a pit of, of uh, um, I'm thinking quicksand where it grabs a hold of you and just won't let go of you. And so we had a really great conversation and I think that they came to this and, you know, I, I believe it, coming to this conclusion, and I remember coming to it myself. I'm going to build my life on Jesus. No matter what, no matter what, no matter what my friends say, even what my family says, 
I'm going to build my life on Him and Him alone and let His Word just come over me, not just come over me, but I'm going to infuse it into every fiber of my being to where everything I do, every move I make is filtered through the Word of God. And that's building your life on Him. Thank you for letting me share that about you guys, even though I didn't ask your permission. God is infinitely better than the best earthly father ever. And the third area I'd like to highlight this one, and this is a real rich one, and then we'll be done quickly, I think. <laughs> Psalm 103. This is uh, in the midst of the text I shared, starting in verse 8. This is in the New Living Translation. It says, The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will, he will not constantly accuse us, nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all of our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we deserve for His unfailing love toward those who fear Him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to His children, tender and compassionate to those who fear Him. For He knows how weak we are. He remembers that we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers, like wildflowers we bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear Him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to His covenant. Of those who obey His commandments, the Lord has made the heavens His throne. And from there, He rules over everything. Hallelujah. Because we need to hear this, is this is our, a loving God. A loving Heavenly Father that has done everything to save your soul. And not just yours, but your children's and your children's children. For generation to generation upon a thousand generations. He has implemented the perfect plan of salvation for you and I. And that is so good and so rich. So, so yes, that's above. That's why when I said that earthly fathers... Tiny little minute. Heavenly Father, above and beyond out, be where you can't even get to. Because you can't save yourself. I can't save you. I can't save my children. I, can have, I really have no bearing other than pointing my children to Jesus. And that truly is the best thing that we can do for our children. Is give them Jesus. Amen? Amen. So God the Father cares for you as His child. God the Father disciplines you as His child. God the Father saves us and our children's children and pours out His blessings on us who simply trust and obey Him as our Heavenly Father. Now I'm going to hit one point real quick because I think it's important to hit it. There's a real live enemy. There's a real live enemy that attacks 
at the place which is most threatening to him and his goal. Did you hear me how I said that? There's a real live enemy that attacks in the area that is most threatening to him and his goal. His goal is to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. His primary weapon is what? Deception, delusion. What is the one thing that is being attacked more than anything on our planet right here, right now, as we live and breathe? Identity. Identity. The very core of identity of God created you male and female is being attacked. As though, it, as though there were no God and all of, this things, all of this stuff is accidental. And we get to pick and choose whichever gender we would like to be. Do you see how that is completely, not only turning everything on its axis, but it is deceiving, it is destroying, it is killing, and it is, it is absolutely stealing everything from you as a person to steal your identity simply even as a male or a female. Because that's where it starts. If I don't know what I am, I don't know if I could be a son or a daughter. And I don't know how this, there's no way that there, God could have formed me this way because I'm just a big mistake. Do you see where the enemy is attacking our very sonship and daughtership? And that's why I wanted to point this out because it is so imperative and so important that we lock into, I mean, we stand on and we grab a hold of who we are in Christ. I am a child of God. You are a son, a daughter of the living God. And the enemy hates that. You are, the, you are the largest, biggest threat to him as a child of God. When you know who you are as a child of God, the enemy shudders in fear and trembles because you are his biggest threat. Because you cannot be shaken, you cannot be rocked. He could throw everything at you and you will stand. Hello? Amen, amen. Hallelujah. So our only objective even this morning, simply stand on who we are in Christ. A child of God. Your heavenly Father has a purpose for you. And that's to bring glory to Him. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you. Worship team, come on up. We thank you. And there's such an awesome privilege even now this morning of understanding and knowing. And, and I, we thank you that you reveal to us your fathership. You reveal to us our sonship. And we know it's little by little but we'll take as little as we can get. We'll take as much as you, as you feel that we can handle. Lord, show us that we are your children. Reveal to us that we belong to you. And we've been bought with a price. The highest price that could ever be paid. And that's the precious blood of Jesus. And we say yes. Yes to your salvation. We say yes to your commission to be a child and bring glory to you, to share the love of Jesus every day and all day. In Jesus' name, fill us with your spirit. 
fill us so powerfully and mighty that there, you would be seen, there would be a glow, there would be so much evidence that we belong to you. In Jesus' name, bless us and fill us. Amen. Amen.